0: The Druze are a closed ethno-religious group who live in the Levant, predominantly, although there are diaspora communities in the United States, Venezuela, and other places. The Druze' faith is known to be shrouded in secrecy, and there are many interesting historical reasons and theological reasons why that is the case. Today, here at the Godcast, we hope to dive in to the fascinating and complex history, theology, customs, and culture of the Druze religion. I am Xavier, this is the Godcast, and let's go! Firstly, it's important to understand the Druze in their historical context. The Druze emerged from Ismailism, which was a branch of Shia Islam, often described as mystical, due largely to its use of Neoplatonism, a highly religious philosophy that emerged near the beginning of late antiquity, but more on Neoplatonism later. During the 11th century, the 6th Fatimid Caliph and the 16th Imam of the Fatimid Dynasty Al-Hakim ascended to the throne in nine—well, actually, ruled as the leader of the Fatimid Caliphate, which encompassed North Africa and surrounding lands. Al-Hakim ascended to the throne at a young age in 996 and promised to create, and promised to bring about a new spiritual movement within the Abrahamic tradition and within Islam. Although historians are often split on whether or not he intended to start a new religion entirely, or if he want, or if he viewed this more as a philosophical and spiritual movement within Islam that would capitalize and pin its theology on the idea of tawhid, on the idea of fulfilling that mission to explain and 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 fully appreciate tawhid, what is tawhid? You may ask. Well, tawhid is the concept. Of God's absolute oneness and transcendence, although unfortunately that word doesn't translate very smoothly to English. Think of Tawhid as radical monotheism. God is one single indivisible thing. But now think of it also as radical transcendence. God is beyond all attributes. Things like God is good, things like God is great, things like God is X, Y, and Z. Well, those are only attributes that God has, not something that God is. God is completely beyond all human comprehension. Okay, now let's get back to the historical context. Al-Hakim ascends to the throne in 996 saying that he will bring about a new culmination a new uh, disp- well a new movement a new spiritual philosophical movement of some sort within the established abrahamic tradition uh, this new movement stresses tawhid and well it becomes open to the public in 1017 uh, sharing his vision for a new abrahamic religion or at least uh, a-, a movement to emerge um, well hamza ibn ali al zawani Serves as a prime missionary and a key figure in this new movement, in this 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 quote-unquote proto-Druze, you could say, movement. And he's a quite uh, uh, enthusiastic and 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 uh, successful missionary. So he is appointed uh, as the leader of the of the of this new proto-Druze community. He is appointed as the imam. I'm no expert of Islamic theology but it seems to me that appointing someone as an imam of 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 a, of a of a new movement that you that you're that you're forging that seems to me to be something of a departure from the norm uh, back a quick side note on that topic about ismaili islam interestingly enough the religion started, or rather not the religion because it's within Islam, but the, the the sect started as a dispute between two brothers, the sixth imam, so the sixth spiritual successor to Muhammad. He passed his authority down after he died and after he passed away. Now this man, now the community was faced with two primary opponents, for two primary contenders for that position of the seventh imam, one of which was his son, because there were two sons one of which was his son is- Ismail ibn Ja'far Ismail ibn Ja'far founded the Ismaili sect or the Sevener Shiite the Sevener Shiite sect Sevener of course because this was a dispute over who would be the seventh imam and this sect adopted neoplatonic thinking uh, neoplatonism is a fascinating thial- fast- fascinating philosophy that I'll get to in a second but back to history because I, cuz I keep having us go on detours into other avenues but but just 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 bear with me for a second through the history which i think is by the way absolutely incredibly fascinating um so basically what happens here is we have al durazi a man who is is according to some sources jealous of al-hakim's influence as the imam of this new exciting spiritual movement, spiritual and philosophical movement within the Abrahamic tradition, so he attempts to revolt. He starts a massive revolt in Cairo, which unfortunately for him doesn't work out, and he is later executed, possibly because of his religious views. He was viewed as a a heretic, although the the history can get very muddy there. He was viewed as a heretic and was executed for his—potentially viewed as a heretic, but was certainly executed um, on some grounds possibly because his theological views stressed the divinity of Al-Hakim to a, to to a degree that was too far within Shia Islam and within the Ismaili tradition there was often a an attribution there was often a well rather often a tendency to attribute divine qualities to imams. There is a concept in Islam in which someone is a manifestation of God. Given that God is absolutely transcendent, this doesn't mean that they're an incarnation of God, but simply that they are a mirror through whom you can look to see some of God's attributes best reflected, best reflected on earth. So someone who is, for example, in the Ahmadiyya movement, with which is a movement within Islam, a messianic movement, people believe that Muhammad is is the closest on earth that there has been to paradise because he is a manifestation of god in their view he is someone who has 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 such a perfected level of has such a perfected moral level that he is like reflecting the qualities the attributes of god and he's obviously on he was obviously on earth also we will see the concept of manifestations come up in the future and of this video with with emanations the concept of emanations which derives from neoplatonism all right so al-Durazi is executed possibly because of his quote-unquote heretical views now in 1021 on february 13th 1021 to be precise al-hakim vanishes from everything he simply disappears people have no idea what happened to him potentially he was assassinated uh potentially he was robbed by bandits and killed uh historians have no way of placing a finger on the actual cause of this disappearance but according to the druze he occultated occultation is a concept especially prevalent in Shia Islam in which the imam the, the in which the in which al-mahdi the messianic figure of Islam who will return at the end of time to usher in the golden age the, the final judgment and the, and the golden age well this mahdi this this the al-mahdi uh, figure he is going to disappear he, he and go into occultation and then reappear Muslims often believe that, the, that al-Mahdi is the 12th imam, but simply disagree on which person that is, which person is the rightful 12th imam who uh, occultates and will re- reappear at the end of time. This occultation means that, the, that al-Mahdi becomes spiritually invisible and goes into a spiritual hiding, which is what they believe happened to al-Hakim. When the next caliph Al-Zahir ascended to the throne that same year, things got really, really bad for the for the emerging Druze community. Because Al-Zahir hated the movement and unfortunately hated a lot its leader, Hamza ibn Ali. This unleashed massive, massive, massive persecution against the Druze who were slaughtered. This persecution had three effects. Firstly, the Druze faith became more secretive with Hamza ibn Ali. Guiding the movement from a secret location, and people would deny being a part of this movement in fear of being murdered, uh, which is an Islamic concept called Takiya, in which one denies um, their faith in order so that they aren't persecuted. Um, although there are different readings of this concept according to who you ask. And also, the teachings of the Druze faith became secret, as it still remains today. Secondly, the Druze faith closed its doors to converts in 1043. Thirdly, the Epistles of Wisdom, or the Kitab al-Hikmah, the central text of the faith comprised of 111 epistles written and sent between Hamza ibn Ali from hiding and the the public leader of the faith, between the the two men, uh, Baha al-Din al-Muqtana, formed uh these letters so their their engagement so their constant writing of letters back and forth all those letters were compiled later into the 111 epistles which were then spread across six volumes these letters were compiled in the late 15th century and there may actually even be even more epistles um out there uh, which are those extra epistles hypothetically if, if they exist were either lost um and don't exist anymore or Are actually hidden from most people in the faith except for the highest initiates. The hierarchy within the Druze faith allows only initiates to view the epistles of wisdom, creating a two part hierarchy of the initiates and the non initiates, with the initiates having their own distinctive clothing and their own distinctive lifestyle of, of modesty and other and also special privileges within the community, which we will talk about in a second, whereas the initiates are not invited to certain, whereas the non-initiates are not invited to certain religious meetings and generally wear secular clothing. As stated before, the religion does not accept converts or marrying anyone outside of the faith. Now, on to the theology of the Druze faith. We've talked extensively about the history of the Druze faith, from from a little bit of a smiley history uh, to Al-Hakim to Hamza ibn Ali to the persecution under Al-Zahir. Now, now what do the Druze believe? What is their theology and what and how do they practice their faith? Well, we'll get to that after we quickly talk about two other concepts, two incredibly important prerequisites, the Ismaili sect of Shia Islam and Neoplatonism. Neoplatonism was a philosophical school which inherited the teachings of Plato while adding its own ideas to the mix. Neoplatonists wouldn't have called themselves Neoplatonists, they would have simply thought of themselves as philosophers who were keeping alive Plato's traditions while subscribing to the ideas of some new philosophers. Who were these new philosophers and what were their ideas? Well, let's take a total detour and talk about Plotinus, the most influential Neoplatonist, but by no means the first. Plotinus was born in Lycopolis, Egypt, in either 204 or 205 CE, and at the age of 28 went to study under Ammonius Sacchus in Alexandria, an obscure figure who left behind no writings, but from whom Plotinus gained much of his ideas. When Plotinus moved to Rome in 245 after attempting to travel to Persia and India to study philosophy there, well, it was said that, that during his first 10 years teaching at an academy in Rome, it was said by his student and successor uh, to his academy that he lectured extensively, actually that he lectured exclusively on Ammonius's philosophy for the first 10 years of writing literally nothing but only lecturing lecturing on the writings of Ammonius Saccus. But sometime around 255 to 263, he wrote 21 treatises, and afterwards wrote 54 more, which constituted his magnum opus, the Enneads, a book that, lays, a book that laid the foundation for Neoplatonic thought. Okay, so we've talked about a lot. A lot so we've talked a lot about the "quote-unquote" founder of Neoplatonism. But what the heck is Neoplatonism? And uh, well, how does it relate to the Druze of faith? Well, there are actually only really three concepts you need to know. Monad, emanationism, and reincarnation. Firstly, Plotinus taught that the highest principle in existence is a single indivisible unit completely beyond description called the One or the Monad. The One is not God, but that didn't stop Ismaili Muslim thinkers from equating it with the Law and Christian theologians of late antiquity, specifically the Greek theologians, from equating it with God the Father. The concept of God as completely indivisible and completely transcendent played well into it, into Islamic theology, influencing Ismaili Muslims when they came into contact with Neoplatonism, likely as a result of the fact that in that Emperor Justinian closed the Neoplatonist Academy and banished all neoplatonist philosophers from the empire causing them to migrate to the middle east and continue their work there at least for a while secondly emanationism the belief that the view that the one gives off less perfect versions of reality as a result of its creative power akin to how a candle gives off light and that plays into not only ismaili theology but gnosticism kabbalah and manichaeism in which the emanations become actual beings such as ions or god's literal personified thoughts or light beings in a smiley thought given that god can't be this that or the other because god is transcendent the emanation become the emanations become god's traits by this i mean god can't be good god has goodness god can't be wise god has wisdom and so forth so therefore god's traits god's qualities those become emanations of god this mean this concept becomes vital in Drew's creation cosmology Thirdly, reincarnation. Plotinus talks extensively about reincarnation, pretty much hands down refuting the claim that the Druze are influenced by Dharmic faiths because they have reincarnation in their theology as well. The fact that people in the Hellenistic Greco Roman world believed in reincarnation long before they came into contact with Indian philosophy is well established, with Pythagoras believing in reincarnation and Plotinus unfortunately not being able to go to India but still talking about not only reincarnation but what appears to be karma of some kind in which justice is administered in a retributive manner and people are reincarnated into plants and animals if they behave poorly as humans. But Plotinus and his fascinating ideas are deserving of their own video, so I'll stop here with talking about neoplatonic influence or rather neoplatonic context. Regarding Isma'ilism as stated before, Isma'ilism began as a branch of Shia Islam as a dispute over who was the rightful Imam or spiritual successor to Muhammad when the 6th Imam passed his authority over to his sons. The split between these two sons resulted in two claimants to the title of the 7th Imam, resulting in the ism- of the 7th Imam resulting in the Sevener or, or Ismaili sect named after Imam Isma'il. Imam Ismail ibn Jafar. This sect adopted Neoplatonism for its cosmology and theology proper, or theology relating to the character of God, and some of its adherents interpreted the Quran esoterically using a system called Tawil, in which the reader extracts the hidden meaning of the text called Batin from the literal meaning of the text called Zahir. Now, finally, with all this context amassed, with all this context from history, from the history of the Fatimid Caliphate, with, with Al-Hakim, with, with Hamza ibn Ali, with Muhammad al-Durazi, with Al-Zahir, and, and with all this context about, about Neoplatonism, with, with Plotinus and his thoughts, and, 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 and with, with Ismaili theology. Now it's time to synthesize the beliefs of the Druze' faith. So firstly, the Druze believe in one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, and Muhammad, and believe that this God is absolutely one and absolutely transcendent. Notice how similar this excerpt from the Epistles of Wisdom sounds to Islamic scripture. In the name of Allah, the Clement, the Merciful, the happy ending happens to the one who wakes up from sleepy dizziness, turns away from the stupidity of the ignorant, and testifies to sincere faith, that by repentance he hastens to Allah Most High, and to his friend, his argument back to men, his vicar on earth, the guardian of its creation, the commander of the faith. Secondly, the Druze believe that God has spoken through various prophets who are also manifestations of God. Manifestations are not incarnations, but rather something like a mirror through whom the attributes of God can be seen. Al-Hakim was viewed by the early Druze faith as a manifestation of God, as was common to a lesser degree among attitudes towards Ismaili imams and Shia imams in general, but some reports claim that al-Durazi nearly deified al-Hakim, leading to his execution as a heretic. The Druze believe that prophets appear in groups, often in groups of of five. For example, not only Jesus, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke carried a divine message. Furthermore, Plato, Pythagoras, Aristotle, and Hermes Trismegistus of Hermeticism are prophets, although they do not follow the rule of five. They obviously appear in a set of four. These prophets are often believed to be incarnations of emanations of God, but more on that in a bit or they could potentially be viewed as manifestations. So, mirrors through whom one can see the attributes of the emanation of God, whether or not they are actual incarnations or manifestations, can be a bit tricky to discern. Thirdly, once a Druze, always a Druze. Every Druze must respond to the pact that the first Druze made with Allah. When al-Hakim initiated the faith during his reign, every Druze signed the time custodian contract, meaning that they are bound to carry out their role as a Druze in the world until the final day. Therefore, every single Druze ever born is a reincarnation of their ancestors and leaving is almost as hard as it is joining. This results in strong emphasis on assisting one's fellow Druze and requires all Druze to marry other Druze. Fourthly, God, due to his transcendence, emanates his divine qualities. The Druze star is comprised of of colors representing the, Neopla- representing the Neoplatonic terms of the universal mind in green, the universal soul in red, the universal word in yellow, the universal precedent slash cause in blue, and the universal antecedent slash effect in white. This is not the first time theologians used the Neoplatonic scheme of emanations to accommodate their ideas about God. Qu- Christians equated God the Father with the One, God the Son with the Universal Mind, and God the Spirit with the Universal Intellect. God. The Druze believe that these emanations have been incarnated, or at least manifested, in people on earth. Al-Hakim is believed to be a manifestation of God, while Hamza ibn Ali is believed to be a manifestation of the Universal Mind, while other Druze teachers are manifestations of the Universal Soul, Word, Precedent, and Antecedent. Fifthly, Hierarchy. Druze initiates dress differently, meet and worship differently, and know different things about reality than non-initiates. The Druze initiates meet Thursday night in buildings called Kalwas, which are usually in the outskirts of Druze villages. Non-initiates can visit and conversate with the initiates and one another for a certain period of time before everyone must leave the Kalwa during the second half of the meeting except for the initiates who remain to read and interpret scripture and share ideas about philosophy. The term sheikh in Islam is defined as elder and in Arab Gulf culture it means the ruler of a tribe but in the Druze faith both men and women can hold the title of sheikh as initiated people who do not share their knowledge with other people. Initiates are about 15% of all Druze in the Middle East. There is no pope, caliph, or patriarch of the entire religion, leaving local sheikhs and sheikas, who are the female sheikhs because both men and women can be initiated. Well, the, these sheikhs and sheikas, these initiates, are left to lead their local communities without one big centralized authority on top. The initiates are called the Ukal or the wise, while non-initiates are called the juhal or the ignorant. But since that title can sound derogatory, the term jismani is adopted to describe them, which basically means worldly. So it's d- adopted to describe the non-initiates, the, the, the term jismani, which means worldly, uh, concerned with things of the world, concerned with things of the flesh. Whereas the term ruhani, which basically means spiritual, is attributed to the initiates that are concerned with things outside of the world. Sixthly, the Druze celebrate holidays such as Eid al-Adha, which they celebrate to commemorate the willingness of Abraham to sacrifice his son, but with, different, uh, but with differences from uh, the holiday as celebrated in Islam. Seventhly, the Druze attend pilgrimages to graves of prophets, the most popular of which is the grave of Jethro Moses' father-in-law who they be- who they view as the central prophet of their religion. So that about does it. I hope you learned a bit about the Druze faith. That being said, I am Xavier, this has been the Godcast and stay tuned.